God bless America. Boom, there it is. God bless America on top of the intro music. And again, Andrew Britton here. Red, White, and True podcast, episode three, which based on the uh, the content of what's in this podcast, this may be the last podcast because the FBI might kick might be kicking in my door for some of the criticism that we may be providing to them here within this podcast. But I also want to say, again, everybody affected by Hurricane Ian, our thoughts and prayers are with you. We are thinking of you. It appears as if Florida is doing a really good job trying to get power back on to people and get things back up and moving again so that people can recover. South Carolina seems to be doing similarly well as they try to improve life after the destruction of the hurricane. And we wish everybody the best. And guys, if there's any way possible that we can provide any help to those people down there, likely it's going to be monetary. Um, please do so. But like I said in the last episode, be careful. There's a lot of crappy people out there trying to scam people out of their money, taking advantage of situations like this. You're not a nice person. But we're going to dive right in here, okay? There are some things going on in America that are troubling, and that is the understatement of the century. But there's this movement where we're calling so many things extremist nowadays, extremist. And the FBI is using and looking into some of these symbols to use against us to call us domestic terrorists. And and this is a tremendous problem, but I want to start by the movement from the American people, the people of the United States of America, calling certain symbols of the United States of America extremists. And recently, there were some pretty prominent figures in the American media that made some really troubling comments about the offensiveness and what the symbolism is of the flag of the United States of America. You know, 50 stars, 13 stripes, that flag, the one that we've flown for a long time now. That flag apparently now represents white supremacy, hatred, and division within this country. Apparently it is a symbol of of racism, which is an unbelievable statement. I, I, I just, I, I can't even believe that that could come out of somebody's mouth, but it did. And here's the clip to prove it. I saw, you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with, uh, you know, uh, explicatives against Joe Biden uh, on the back of them, yep. uh, Trump yep. flags, and some cases just dozens of American flags, which, you know, uh, is also just disturbing because essentially the message was clear. It was, this is my country. This is not your yep. country. I own this. When I drive into a neighborhood and it's not July 4th and I'm not in a predominantly military household neighborhood and there are flags, American flags everywhere alongside Trump flags, alongside flags in a, with, with uh, stars in a circle. I feel threatened because the message is very clear. It's a message of white supremacy. It's a message of racism. And it's a message of your, their country, not my country. Uh. And, and use the, the, the American flag as, as uh, their badge and symbol. And, and I think that the, the messaging uh, from the flag has now changed people. A lot of people feel very different about it. When I now, when I see people with a flag, that's that's one of the first things I think of is that oh, that's a weapon or oh, that's a symbol of hate now. 
What a load of rubbish. And I hate to say that in the United States of America where we have freedom of speech, but that is an absolute load of rubbish. In a time where we have also heard the Constitution called trash by multiple people, I, I can't even believe the level of entitlement coming from people born here taking advantage of the rights that they are given in the Constitution and that that flag represents to take an opportunity to slander the system that provides them the rights and opportunities that they have to say the things and do the things that they're doing. Does anybody see the hypocrisy and the ridiculousness of this? If America is truly a racist country and America truly represents all these deplorable things, do we really think at our unsecured wide open border, we would be inundated with millions of people the vast majority of which do not have white skin tone, crossing the border illegally to try to get to the United States of America. Understand, the cartel has full control. The only people that have full control of the border are the cartel, and they have full control of the southern side of the border. Anybody who crosses that border has to get permission from the cartels to do so. Nobody's sneaking across that southern border without the cartels taking advantage of the opportunity to make money off of our laxed or, I don't know, completely absent border policies. I mean, it's just a fact, you guys. It's We see no other countries in the world that are being inundated like we are. And if that flag that represents America, if it truly, truly means and stands for all of those terrible things that those people called it, do we think that people oftentimes running from fascism, true fascism, or socialist countries in which they're being oppressed under those systems with a complete and total lack of opportunities, do we really think that people are going to give their children up to the cartels to try to get them across the border into the United States of America because America is terrible and full of hate? Does that make any sense to anybody? Because it doesn't make sense to me. I really think it's unbelievable the things that come out of people's mouths, but because of the country that they live in, they absolutely have a right to say it. And I got to tell you, my fiance, who really doesn't have much interest in being a part of this podcast and doesn't have a huge interest in politics, I didn't have a huge interest in politics until recently, and things started going completely sideways. And I started worrying about the America that my children were going to grow up in now that I was a parent. I've always had a mild interest and in paid attention to the things that are going on. But the things that are going on now are troubling. And they are an effort to destroy the America that we have today. The free, opportunistic, land of opportunity, Lady Liberty, torch-holding, American flag, red, white, and blue hot dog eating, baseball loving, football loving, American life that we have known to come and understand and love. You may not agree with everything that America is and that it stands for, but it most certainly does not stand for and represent hate. And I got to tell you, like I previously said, this one struck a real chord with my fiance and she she doesn't typically want to be a part, but I'm going to give her the, of the podcast floor here. For just a second, because she just wants to make a brief statement about some of these things that are being said 
And some of these, some of this ideology that's being ideology that's being pushed around the country in certain places by certain people, trying to increase and push the division and hatred of this country. So here she is. Now smile. You look terrified. Well, don't be terrified. It's going to be okay. I promise. All right. So here she is. Hey guys, thanks for letting me uh, pop in on the podcast here real quick. I uh, don't have much to say, but I do have to get something off of my chest because it really, really bothers me to my core that people can look at our flag and claim that it scares them and that it's a weapon. It is amazing to me that people have the nerve to disrespect such a beautiful symbol of hope. And that's exactly what it is. For me, especially, and I'm sure it's different for everyone, but for most Americans, most patriots, it is a symbol of hope. It is a symbol of freedom, a symbol of opportunity. And the significance of that flag is far deeper to some than it is to others. You didn't have to grow up on a military base or have service members in your family to know how important that flag is. It is one of the most iconic symbols that this land has, and it should be treated with all the respect that it deserves. It really bothers me because of the fact that I was always raised that you respect and you care for your country because there are no other countries like ours. We are the only land of the free, home of the brave. And it wasn't until those brave souls chose voluntarily to go fight for our rights. Not just the rights of me, but the rights of everyone in America. The right to have freedom of speech and the right to say the things that we want to say. We can talk as much crap as we want about the Constitution, the flag, the current administration, which I'm not going to do because I'm a little bit more respectful than that. But I could. Because it is my constitutional right as an American citizen. Now, do I feel that everyone has and deserves the right to speak? Yes, I do. Do I have to agree with them? No, I definitely don't. And I definitely do not agree with them. I have had a grandfather in World War II battle the bulge. My dad was a Navy member, and my future husband is was in the military. I have been surrounded by veterans all of my life. And it wasn't because I was surrounded by veterans that I knew how much the flag meant. It just reinforced everything I already knew. Because all of the good in America, these men and women were all part of creating. We have people that are sending their children, five, six, seven-year-old children with cartel members 
to flood our borders. Not because we stand for hate and racism, but because we stand for hope and the American dream. The American dream cannot be led by hate and racism. And anyone who believes that that's what the flag represents, I feel sad for them because they obviously do not know the significance of that flag or the Constitution or just being a patriot, period. And it's despicable. It's very, very sad. I feel sorry for those people. But right now, I feel really mad about it. I normally don't get into politics. I normally don't do the podcast. This is not my thing. This is Andrew's thing. But it really struck a nerve with me that there are people that not only want to disrespect our flag, but try to use it as a weapon or as a force to show people that it, it's a bad thing. Almost as if they're trying to change it. You know, this is so much entitlement. You were born here. You have the right to talk bad about the flag because you were born in America. If you weren't born in America or didn't live in America, you would not be able to talk crap about anything political, especially the flag. But freedom of speech says clear as day. You can say as many bad things as you want. It's your right as an American. And honestly, at this point, for me personally, I can't speak on anyone else. But for me, if you don't agree with that and you don't like the rights that you were given, then you know there are plenty of places that you could go where you won't have those rights. Maybe you'd be happier there. Because to me, that's that's what it seems like. Seems like people are just forgetting and taking for granted all of the, the men and women who lost their lives to fight for our freedom and to die for our freedom. And until you have sat at a funeral, listened to taps and a 21-gun salute, and have had a flag folded and handed to you, you will never know the pride and the significance of that flag. And it is hurtful. It is disrespectful. And to be honest, it's just ignorant that you don't know any better. Because this flag is here to protect the values and the ideology that America represents hope, freedom, opportunity. And if you don't agree, sorry for you. Not my problem. Sorry for hijacking the hot podcast. I'm going to head it back to Andrew. Had to get on here and speak my piece because it did make me very angry. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, back to you, Andrew. She has lost her mind. See, guys, I told you it was going to be all right. A little bit of fire, a little bit of heat, and some passion there because it's something that she's passionate about. And I think that we should or we can all respect 
having some passion for the United States of America, what it stands for, and the opportunities that it gives to us. But I bring this up, guys, because I want to have a conversation about the FBI. And I think that those clips are relevant to where we're trying to get to because the FBI is also looking at patriotic American symbols and classifying and categorizing anybody who projects these symbols as domestic terrorists. You get yourself on a list if you display or you proudly put out any of these following symbols. The Betsy Ross flag, okay? You know, stars in a circle, 13 stars in a circle, 13 stripes, one of the original American flags. Yeah, apparently that's a symbol of hatred, white supremacy, and militia violent extremists. Now, apparently that is, okay? The Gadsden flag, okay? This is the classic uh, don't tread on me flag with the snake. Now, keep in mind, this flag was flown by nearly every state during the Revolutionary War and leading up to the Revolutionary War in a statement of solidarity against the crown, King George, and England in an effort to show them that we would not accept and would not live under their oppressed rules and leadership. Also, lesser known, the Freedom Tree Flag. This is a flag that has an illustration of a tree, a pine tree, with the words above it, an appeal to heaven. I say that again. It's a flag with an illustration of a tree. Above that tree, there is writing that says, an appeal to heaven. The FBI sees this and categorizes this now as hate. And this all comes from a leaked document from within the FBI in which they listed these items as things that they see as representing hate and right-wing extremist violence. Okay? Let's move on the list here, okay? We also have anything that says 2A. Okay, 2A would be representative of the Second Amendment. The amendment that gives us the right to bear arms. And unlike it's being sold to us, the right to bear arms is not so that we can hunt or so that we can go have shooting competitions. It is giving American citizens, and thank God we have never had to use this, but giving American citizens the right to bear arms to defend itself in the event that it became oppressed by the government and had to fight back against a tyrannical or fascist socialist regime. Okay? Also, and we just heard the American flag itself. It's one thing when you have American citizens saying, crazy, untrue, irresponsible things about the flag. But it's an entirely different thing when you have the FBI putting people's names on a list for simply representing patriotism and freedom and opportunity and hope, which is what America is. I don't understand how we got to this point where the FBI seems to be acting more like 
another well-known law enforcement agency that goes by three letters, but that three letters isn't FBI or CIA or any of the other three letters that we have here in the United States. It seems to be operating more now like the KGB. And that is terrifying. Trying to crush oppositional opinions and thoughts. That is the direction that our FBI has been moving in. And I want to use this and talk about these things to lead into a conversation about past and present examples and the FBI and its conduct. Okay? Wrong is right. And that's right. It feels like opposite day. But this is for real. This is what's happening. And we have to push back against this if we want to continue to have the opportunities and the abilities to freely speak in this country without being oppressed by any executive branch or any institution of the United States of America. We will cease to be America if this continues to go on. So the FBI is partaking in some conduct now that is really, really scary and really terrifying, you guys. It, it really is acting in a manner in which it is weaponized. The DOJ and the FBI are weaponized against conservatives, against the opposing party, the opposing beliefs of the people in power. This is a terrifying development, okay? But having said that, before we get into the more current stuff that the FBI has going on, I want to run a brief history of the FBI. So the FBI was founded in 1908, which it's somewhat of a controversial date for some reason. But in 1924, there's a very significant development in the FBI, and that is because a man named J. Edgar Hoover takes over as director of the FBI. From day one, he begins to fundamentally change the FBI. They become a lot more covert. They start collecting a lot more information, not on just criminals or enemies, but on civilians and politicians in an effort to use it as blackmail. This became a big problem when they got caught and found out that this was happening. Okay, In the early 2000s, that same ideology gets pushed forward because of our fear of what happened to us at 9-11. In the early 2000s, a piece of legislation gets passed called the Patriot Act. The intention of the Patriot Act is to allow the FBI to spy on terrorists, to break up terrorist cells and prevent situations like 9-11 from ever happening again. But like so many other instances, you give the government an inch and they take a mile. This, the Patriot Act, now is how the FBI and the government is legally using that legislation to spy on us as American citizens. This is how they get so much of our data. One, because we're dumb enough to put it out there. And two, because they can legally do this under the Patriot Act. This really needs to be stopped. They shouldn't be able to spy on American citizens. But at the time when the legislation was passed, I, I get it. I understand. We were all terrified. 9-11 was a disgusting, awful, terrible, horrible act that was felt throughout the country. It was painful for everybody. Having said those things, I would also like to say that the FBI, over its entire course of existence, has committed countless acts of bravery and heroism on the part of the American people. 
saving American people's lives, preventing crimes, giving justice for crimes, and bringing people to justice who have committed crimes. There are a multitude, I'm sure, I don't doubt at all, that there are many, many very good people in the FBI. But unfortunately, those people in charge right now are not acting in a manner that is very legal or that makes sense or that's fair and that leads us to believe that they are not weaponized. So I wanted to give a brief history so that we understand that some of this questionable behavior from the FBI isn't new for the FBI to be acting in a manner against American citizens, which would be considered, I don't know, illegal or... um unfair or just downright brutal and violent. So let's get into a bit of the the past of what the FBI has done and been a part of, okay? So I want to preface it by saying this. There is a statute in the United States that says that the United States government, the United States federal government, cannot use military forces, or military tactics against United States citizens. This statute is called Posse Comitatus, okay? My mom says it sounds like something that should have been in The Lion King, but anyhow, it's called Posse Comitatus, and it's it legally, it's known as the Posse Comitatus Act of 1878. This simply states that the federal government does not have the right to use military forces, or military tactics against American citizens. But the FBI has a real problem with simply neglecting that, okay? And I want to give some instances of that, okay? So they really got a bit sideways in the 1980s and into the 1990s with utilizing force in situations that they really were uncalled for, that they really shouldn't have used. This kind of, there's a couple of prominent ones that I think we most of us have heard of, but we may not know the details of, so I'll get into them quickly here. One of those is, is Ruby Ridge, okay? At Ruby Ridge, what happens is the FBI goes to execute a warrant against a former Green Beret of the United States Army. When that FBI agent shows up, he shows up to execute a warrant because the former Green Beret had been caught selling sawed-off shotguns to a a federal law officer. The FBI agent, or I'm sorry, the ATF agent shows up to execute the warrant. A gunfight ensues. The ATF agent is shot and killed, but so is the man who had the warrant executed against him's son. Okay? So, this man, once this happens, he flees into his house, and a standoff ensues in which the FBI comes in and they take over the situation. The FBI orders a shoot-on-sight command. They get a shot on the former Green Beret, and he, they miss, and he starts to run into his house. As he's running into his house, his wife opens up the door. He runs through the door. She closes the door behind him. The FBI sniper takes a shot and shoots the wife straight in the face. Kills the wife. Okay? Wow, that's bad. Then we have Waco. This is more famous, okay? The Branch Davidians at Waco. 
they are suspected of polygamy, um, oh, sexual acts with a minor, uh, child endangerment, child abuse, and also weapons charges. Mind, the ATF had infiltrated the group with an undercover police officer who had reported back that he had witnessed none of these allegations to be true. I do want to say that the Branch Davidians and their leader, David Koresh, were engaged in some activity that would be considered bizarre, um, illegal. Uh, the leader, David Koresh, did have multiple wives, which is polygamy. One of those wives was 14 years old. Now, there was lawful consent by her parents to allow her to be married to David Koresh. And at the time, Texas law allowed this to be legal. He had a child with this 14-year-old wife of his, and he had accepted all sexual responsibility for the group so that everybody else in the group, including married couples, husbands, they were celibate as to allow David Koresh to be the only man within the group that would be engaged in procreation or the creation of the next generation of Branch Davidians. However, the undercover ATF agent did report that Branch leader David Koresh went jogging every day so that it would be easy to make an arrest against him who the warrant was for in that particular situation. The ATF denies this opportunity because it won't look as good on their promotional video to show to Congress and to the American people so that they continue to get their funding. Please give me money. But needless to say, I digress. So to lay out a bit of a background here, you have to know what was going on in the ATF and the FBI at the time. They'd been having some of these issues. The public was upset with them. Bill Clinton was upset with them. Um, and so they had some real budgetary problems coming up from Congress. Congress was threatening to cut slash their budget. So the ATF tries to use Waco as this opportunity to show how important they are. So they hire a media crew. They put together this huge SWAT task force to go into this essentially church commune and raid these people, take their guns, take the kids out of there, save the day and have put it all on camera so that the public can see it, the government can see it, and everybody can see how big a heroes the ATF is. Please give me money. Well, it doesn't quite go that way. So the ATF goes to execute their door kicking and their raid, and the Branch Davidians, who are armed, legally, mind you, legally, they had license for all the firearms that they had, they fire back. This kicks off a 51-day standoff. In those 51 days, the FBI uses psychological ops. They play sounds of rabbits being slaughtered throughout the entire night. They turn off the power. They use these huge floodlights, and they flash them back and forth across the building in an attempt to take a man who they thought was crazy David Koresh, they tried to use psyops to make him make a sane decision or rational. I, I don't know what they were trying to do. But needless to say, this is illegal. This is a violation of posse comitatus, okay? They cannot use those type of tactics against American citizens, but yet they did, all right? 
They get to day 51, they get impatient, all right? They need to get them, the Branch Davidians, to come out. There have been a very few people that have trickled out, but for the most part, the Branch Davidians are staying in their compound. So the FBI decides at this point, who they've taken over this standoff, that they're going to use tanks. Tanks, okay? Does this sound like a violation of Posse Comitatus? Yeah, sure does. Tanks, okay? They're going to use tanks with these specific attachments, and they're going to pump CS gas, tear gas, into the compound, knowing and understanding that all the adults in the compound had gas masks, but the children did not. So the intention is to gas the children, that the parents will see how terrible this is, that their children are suffering, and that they'll come out. Does anybody see this as a flawed plan? But needless to say, they execute this plan. They move forward on it. Okay? And something happens. Something happens. I think we're all pretty aware of what happened at this point. But something happens that the FBI knew there was a damn good chance was going to happen. So the FBI pumps in all this tear gas. Now there's some discrepancy. The Branch Davidians that did make it out say the FBI set the fire. The FBI comes out and says that the Branch Davidians set the fire. But we know that CS gas is incendiary. And the FBI threw flashbang grenades in after they had gassed. So they create, they threw an incendiary device into incendiary material. Does anybody see where this could possibly catch a fire? Okay, so here's what we have. We have standoff, gas, fire, death. 25 children killed by the FBI using military tactics against American citizens. Violation of Posse Comitatus. Okay, so we can go back a bit further and I can give you some instances in which there's a history of this and the FBI knew this, but yet they act in this manner anyhow. 1973, Fresno, California. Gas, fire, death. 1974, Los Angeles, California. Gas, fire, death. 1981, West Fork, Arkansas. Gas, fire, death. 1983, Smithville, Arkansas. Gas, fire, death. Anybody see where this is going? 1985, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Gas, fire, death. 1987, Escondido, California. Anybody guess what's going to happen? Gas, fire, death. So the FBI has a problem with using lethal military force against American citizens. Now, against American citizens. Now, keep in keep in mind here that the use of CS gas technically would be a violation against the Geneva Convention if we were to use gas against a terrorist. I'll say that again. It would be a violation of the Geneva Convention if we were to use CS gas against a terrorist. But yet, in these instances, CS gas was used against American citizens. This is a problem, okay? They have a history of misusing their power and committing atrocities, or at least being a part of committing disasters against American citizens, but I also don't want to misrepresent the fact that federal law enforcement in certain situations does have a right and a need to use lethal force and in crowd control situations, tear gas, okay? But now at least in the past, it didn't used to be partisan. 
These acts of violence were used against people who decided they wanted to get into some type of an altercation with the FBI, and the FBI used lethal force against American citizens to ultimately end those standoffs. So the situation is a bit different, but we're simply laying out the fact that the FBI is willing to push the rules, to bend the rules, okay? But our more current situations are a bit more political, and I don't think this is a secret to anybody. They have gotten much, much more political, okay? So we know about the Trump collusion stuff, right? The FBI gets their intelligence officers, 51 intelligence officers, they sign off saying that Hunter Biden laptop story is not true when they clearly knew that it was because they had the laptop. Russian collusion, it's all fake, it's all false, it's all made up, none of it's true. Impeachment one, not true. Impeachment two, not true. Steele dossier, not true. All of this is not true. All of this is pushed by the FBI. The FBI admitted and got caught to lying on FISA warrants to spy on the Trump campaign. Okay, this is all pushing in a certain direction here. I hope we all see this. Okay, the FBI and the DOJ decide that parents who stand up at school board meetings who don't want critical race theory or DEI, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, taught at their schools, they decide that they're going to characterize and categorize these parents as domestic terrorists. Go look it up. They actually did this. They called parents who showed up at school board, school board meetings and objected to this. They called them and categorized them as domestic terrorists. It's in writing. They got caught doing it. Merrick Garland, DOJ, FBI, they did this. They investigated parents for showing up at school board meetings. Okay? This is a real problem. And look, if you're on the left and you can't stand conservatives, you probably see this as a good thing. But let me tell you, everything always flips around. It always flips around. So it's okay when that guy's on your team and the home team's getting away with it. But when that situation flips around and the shoe's on the other foot, it's not quite so pretty, which is why... I have to fight and push against this and talk about how despicable and how dangerous this is to the fundamentals of the United States of America. This has the real, real power behind it to fundamentally change America forever. They are silencing and jailing the opposition voices. Okay? And I'm going to give you a couple instances here. There's a gentleman, 69-year-old gentleman, named Joseph Bolanos. He's a Red Cross volunteer. The FBI received an anonymous tip that Joseph Bolanos was at the Capitol on January 6th. The FBI shows up. They kick in his door with a SWAT-type raid. They seize all of his electronic devices. Well, come to find out, the anonymous tip was not true. But yet, they still ran this raid, not having any evidence, not looking into the situation at all to see if there was any validity to this anonymous tip, to see if this man was actually there. And don't tell me they don't have the, the ability to do that. Don't tell me they don't have the technology and the ability to look and see if somebody was in a totally different part of the country. Yes, they do. 
So what has been the effect on Joseph Bolanos after him as a conservative has been absolutely run through the ringer by the FBI? Well, Joseph Bolanos has now had two strokes. Two strokes because of the stress that he was put through by the FBI because he was attempted to be persecuted and prosecuted for his conservative beliefs from an anonymous tip. Anybody see a problem here? Okay. Well, this next situation will make you even more disgusted because I almost threw up when I saw and I heard this story. Okay. I got a clip of this, but I'll lay this out for you before I play the clip. The man's name is Mark Houck. He's a 47-year-old Catholic Church pro-life activist. Okay. Some prominent men- member of his community in the Catholic Church. All right. He has spent a lot of time, and I, we've all seen this in the past. We, you drive by a um, Planned Parenthood. You drive by a abortion center. See the people standing out front with their poster board signs saying, you know, don't kill babies or, you know, Jesus loves babies or whatever they put on their signs. We've all seen this. They have a legal right to be there as American citizens this is a legal, nonviolent protest, okay? So they have a legal right to be there. Well, Mark Houck is at an event like this, and he has his family with him. He's a father of seven, okay? And I'm going to play this clip so that it lays out the story a bit for you here. The charges stem from an incident this time last year, a 72-year-old patient escort volunteering outside of the Philadelphia Planned Parenthood accused Hook of shoving him to the ground. Hook said he was defending his 12-year-old son from harassment, and the DOJ indicted Hook under the FACE Act, which makes it a federal crime to forcibly interfere with someone seeking or providing reproductive health care. And on Friday, the FBI descended on his home to arrest him. Get this, the FBI admits that up to 20 agents came to his door with guns drawn. Hook's wife, Ryan Marie, called the use of force traumatic and said that the children were terrified. I hope the clip lays this out pretty well, but I'll I'll go back and revisit here. So Mark Houck is at a pro-life demonstration in front of an abortion clinic in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He encounters a man who is screaming obscenities and vile things into his 12-year-old son's face. Mark Hout proceeds to push this man away from his son, who is verbally attacking his son. Okay? So, once this happens, the in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia DA, who, let me tell you, just saw that guy on an interview on TV. He's a real a-hole and really thinks that he's awesome. And his city is descending into madness and crime, and he thinks he's doing a great job. He's a Soros DA, okay? So needless to say, he's pretty damned pro-choice, okay? So needless to say, the Philadelphia DA and local authorities investigate this situation, and they find out that Mark Houck had committed no crime. The other gentleman involved in the situation tries to bring separate charges against Mark Houck, and those get thrown out also. So the extremely liberal Philadelphia DA investigates this crime, alleged crime, and decides that there is no crime. But after that, the FBI decides that they are going to pick this issue up, and they are going to charge Houck with a felony of essentially preventing somebody from getting an abortion. Okay, that's the legal 
felony charge that they are giving against him. This is what they're trying to claim that he did. So about three months ago, Mark Houck and his lawyer get tipped off that this is going to happen, that they're going to press these charges against him. He offers to turn himself in. He offers to turn himself in to the FBI and the DOJ. He gets no response. None. Three months later, the FBI shows up with a SWAT-type raid at his house with his seven children. This man has never committed a crime before. He has never committed a crime. They show up at his door. They kick his door in. Rifles pointed at him and his children and his wife. His kids are scared to death. And they take him away in handcuffs after local authorities had already investigated and determined that there was no crime to prosecute and that he had already offered to peacefully surrender and turn himself in. But instead, the FBI weaponized, the DOJ weaponized, decide that they would rather use this extremely intimidating tactic against a conservative to, I don't know, try and intimidate other conservatives from coming out and speaking their beliefs. Okay, I want to say this. If this happened to a liberal, I would be irate in the same way. You have a right to stick up for yourself, for your children. He did not punch the man. He did not hurt the man. Local authorities investigated. They found no crime. But the FBI and the DOJ still picked it up, and they used this ridiculous show of force to try to intimidate this man after he again had already offered to turn himself in peacefully. Okay? So these are the types of things that the FBI and the DOJ are are participating in against people of conservative beliefs. Okay? Does anybody remember the story of Joe Biden's daughter's journal, which she left behind at a rehab center, and it was picked up by somebody else coming in behind her, that once they found out what was in the journal, some pretty explosive incendiary stuff against the president, some pretty nasty accusations by his daughter, that was then turned over to Project Veritas, a conservative publication, okay? The FBI then proceeds to kick in the door of the owner of Project Veritas, uh, what is his name, James O'Keefe, and two of his journalists seeking a journal. I say that again, seeking a journal. I understand it's the president's daughter's journal, but when did it become a federal crime to have possession of a journal that somebody had left behind? They did not steal it out of her bag. They alleged that it was not stolen out of their bag. The FBI alleges that it was stolen. I don't know. But at the end of the day, recovery of a personal diary is not within the FBI's purview to be committing SWAT raids against law-abiding American citizens. I say that again, a SWAT raid for a diary. I get it. It said some pretty foul stuff about the president that they probably didn't want to get out. But here's the thing. Project Veritas, they couldn't verify the information that was in the diary, so they did not publish it. They acted as responsible journalists. They didn't publish it because they couldn't get a secondary source to verify it, okay? But this is scary because this is a whole bunch of people getting their doors kicked in and being raided by the FBI, being commanded by the DOJ, 
against conservatives, against somebody for their personal beliefs. I say this again, if this was happening to liberals, it would be just as bad. It would be just as bad as a violation of constitutional rights. This is a clear indicator that the FBI and the DOJ are weaponized against the political opponents of the people in power right now. This is a fundamental problem that will destroy us if we do not all stand up against this and say this must stop because this is absolutely fundamentally illegal and ridiculous. This is the DOJ and the FBI weaponized against the Democrats' political opponents. Go look around. How many liberals, how many left-wing activists have had their doors kicked in after they have been a part of a lot more violent riots and crimes and destruction against pregnancy centers? How many people on the left wing have had their doors kicked in and been raided by the FBI. How many? That's right. That's right. Still waiting. Guys, we have to see how dangerous this is. We have to. In an effort to try to maintain our constitutional republic, our democracy, to ensure that the laws and rights and the Constitution is enforced equally to ensure that all of us have the same opportunities to live the American dream, to live in the land of opportunity. But I encourage everybody to talk about this stuff with your friends, talk about it with your family, seek the truth, and always, always make sure to hold the people in power and the mainstream media accountable for what they're telling you. So, this is Andrew Britton, Red, White, and True Podcast. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us. And guys, always remember, the road to progress is paved in facts. Boom.